The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. Thanks for joining us here. We are two days away from full training camp for the Dolphins. We are 20 days away from preseason, from the Dolphins' first preseason game, and 49 days away from the Dolphins' opening weekend at home against the New England Patriots. Paul, looking at just the structure of the team and how how things are, are, are coming together, it's getting pretty exciting here in preseason. And I said the other day that my stat line expectations for Tua Tungavailoa are 350 for a 506, 4277 or 4227 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And the reason I came up with that number is that is the exact stat line adjusted from 16 to 17 games that Jimmy Garoppolo had in 2019 when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl with a top 3 defense. And it has to go hand in hand with Tua and this defense performing at a top five level here, not just early on, but throughout the entire season. It does. And, and, and 4,200, it, it's so funny that you and I both literally hit on that 4,200 yardage wise number. Um, it, it, the toughest thing for me with him is looking at, I, I want his touchdown to inter, interception ratio to at least be two or three to one. Um, and I'm not going to give an exact number because I do think we're going to be a run first team, despite all the weapons we have at receiver at tight end receiving out of the backfield, et cetera. So the touchdown interception ratio is probably the, the better gauge for me as far as the touchdowns go, just because yes, I expect them to get, you know, 18 to 20 plus touchdowns, but it's a hard number to set in stone with Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, Zaquandre White, Alec Ingold in that backfield as well, as well as guys like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, who can take some reverses and things like that. And I actually expect Cedric Wilson to throw a touchdown pass or two this season. Why Cedric Wilson throwing a touchdown? Has he ever done that? Uh, he is five for five in his career throwing the ball and he throws a beautiful ball. Oh, uh, it's, I mean, he literally doesn't have an incompletion in his career on on trickery type plays um, i'll be damned i did not know that yeah huh. it, it's it's pretty cool i think i think i think when we first signed him i brought that up real quick because i thought it was kind of funny um I, i'm pretty sure he's got 100 completion percentage 
throughout his career. I mean, it's five attempts, but still, I mean, it's he's made the most of those attempts. And before we get into the defense, just to uh, stay right there, the unpredictability of the offense is what I'm looking forward to most. And I've it's been a while since we've recited this stat, but last year the 49ers were the number one team in the NFL as far as how, how often they use pre-snap motion. And it was over 80%. The next team was somewhere around 60%. So you can bet Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill are going to be in motion literally every play. Um, so that's, yeah, and, and it has to go hand-in-hand hand with the defense. And, Paul, looking at last year, if you take a look at the Dolphins' overall rankings for the year, 15th in yards allowed, 16th in points, 14th against the run, 16th against the pass, 6th in sacks, 9th in turnovers. They look like very middle-of-the-pack defensive numbers, but when you start to peel back the layers, you can basically slice the success and the lack of success for the Dolphins' defense right down the middle because in the first eight games, they were 29th in the, in the NFL in points per game, and then the last nine, they were second. Yards, th- uh, dead last in the first eight games. The last nine games, they were third. Pass yards, they were 31st in the NFL um, in the first eight games. In the last nine, they were fourth. Sacks, 12th in the NFL in the first eight, and then first in the NFL with 36 sacks over the last nine games. Interceptions, 25th in their first eight, and third with 11 interceptions in their final nine. Really a tale of two seasons here, and that's the big thing. The Dolphins have a really difficult first four games this year. Um, against the Patriots, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Ravens in no particular order. So they, they've got to have, a, a, without question, a much better start this year. They do, and that's something that I, I know you and I talked extensively about this during the season last year. I was pissed off the first eight games uh, because they took what they had built in uh, 2020 and – done well in 2020 they supplemented it during the off season before the 2021 season and then instead of using that dancing drunken cover zero style defense the unpredictable defense the one where you didn't know who was coming who was dropping the one that had teams literally seeing ghosts you go back to justin herbert's rookie year they were within striking distance and stopped throwing the ball because they were so afraid to throw it because they herbert couldn't read the defense um, and then they came out of the gate last year with this supplemented personnel that was set up well to complement what they had done the previous year and do even better. And they ran the most vanilla defense I can remember seeing from the Dolphins for the first eight games. And then all of a sudden they realized in week nine against Lamar Jackson, like, shoot, we better do something different. And then they completely went back to it, unlocked the, the cheat code to defeat Lamar Jackson and, and really ran the table for the most part down the stretch without an offensive identity and an offensive game plan, really. Um, and I, yes, they had a game plan, but it didn't really count as one that put the defense behind the eight ball. And they still were able to respond because they were so unpredictable and aggressive. You could see the guys having fun now. And that's where I was even more pissed off in the games following the Baltimore game, because really that boils down to what we were saying all season last year, that there were flaws fundamentally in coaching and strategy from the Dolphins last year that really kept this team out of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I I would also say to be fair that it needs to be, it needs to be mentioned too, that after that in those final nine games, 
the Dolphins faced Tyrod Taylor. They faced Zach Wilson twice. They faced, faced Cam Newton. They faced Mike Glennon. They faced Ian Book. That Zach I do Wilson think. Want, Zach Wilson wants Joe Flacco once, I think it was. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. Thank you. Uh, so that does have to be factored in, too. But, you know, the other side of that coin is when you look at the Dolphins at the beginning of last year on defense, I mean, they played what Josh in those first eight games, they faced um, Josh Allen twice. They faced Matt Ryan. They faced Tom Brady. They, fa- they faced Derek Carr. So difficult quarterbacks in those first eight games. But I, I, I really think that the deciding factor between just overall, when you take the competition out of it in the first eight games, um, Jalen Phillips really wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot in his first eight games. Javon Holland didn't come on until the second half of the year. They weren't, like you said, being nearly as aggressive as they were the previous year. And the overwhelming opinion in the second half of the year wasn't just a competition, but that they were saying players on defense were saying Emmanuel Agba said this. A few other guys said this. They were getting back to what they were doing the previous year and which was being aggressive, being on. And you saw that in the alignments, too. Yeah, it's it's literally the first eight games. You could look at the defense. They all just walked up to the line of scrimmage and went, I go here. That's where I go. You block me. Like, that's what it felt like. It, it was this super – it almost felt like – and I hate to keep using the Chargers because the Chargers are a fantastic team. The Chargers are probably going to be in the playoffs this year. But I go back to when um, previous coach of the Chargers, now I think he's with Detroit. Um when he had the chargers they had a talent level that exceeded the scheme because you remember talking about leading up to that game i'm like this is like the most basic scheme ever of just i go there you stop me like that that's what their offensive identity was that's what their defensive identity was and you could see guys just like dude this sucks if you know and, and you've got to set your players up to be able to win their matchups and Miami's defense and their personnel was set up for that, and they just didn't do it, even if they were going to have some growing pains with Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips rotating in and out. Like, you put Emmanuel Agba in a position where he wasn't able to be as successful as he could. You put Christian Wilkins. I mean, every player on this defense performs better in that that defense that they set up and, and schemed for the previous year and set up in the offseason for 2021 to do. And then they just came out and said, nah, we're just going to run this basic nonsense. Yeah, they were a lot more unpredictable, and uh, they've got to keep it that way. And it so what's so important this year, too, and I, I, I said this before the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel, is that my fear is that with firing at the time with firing Brian Flores was that they were going to bring in a new defensive coordinator. They weren't going to re-sign Emmanuel Agba. They were going to bring in a guy that's going to want to do his own thing because 90% of the time when you switch head coaches, that's what happens. So I'm really happy Mike McDaniel came in here, kept Josh Boyer, kept the same personnel. The Dolphins didn't lose anybody on defense. They lost Justin Coleman as their biggest loss, which is incredible to say. They brought, I mean, they're bringing all their backup linebackers back for Christ's sake. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there's no excuse for this defense to not pick up where they left off here last year. So let's take a look at the positions, Paul. Um, Defensive line. I mean, Emmanuel Agba um, last year had 20 quarterback hits and 10 passes deflected at defensive end. Uh, Has not happened in five or six years, I believe. 
incredible work there. Jalen Phillips, a rookie, eight and a half sacks. Inside, Christian Wilkins, breakout season, probably a top 10 defensive tackle in the NFL now. And Zach Sealer, one of the more, is getting the reputation as one of the more underrated overall players on defense in the NFL. And you've got Raekwon Davis back, who's going to be healthy at the start of the year, which was not the case last year either. So phenomenal defensive line. And now you add Melvin Ingram to the mix. Uh, I mean, I, I look at the edge spots and defensive tackle, and I say that this is this is a position that it, it, you're looking at an A minus or an A as far as, as as the grade on this positional group. You are, and I think it's pretty much an easy A, especially when they they get back to that defense like they should do out of the gate this year. And, and one of the guys that really came on down the stretch, and I can't, I didn't hear you mention him, um, so you may or may not have. But once they got to that more flexible defense based on his own skill set was Adam Butler. Um, he, he was a key cog in that defensive line rotation last year between defending the run and being able to get into the backfield and rush the passer a little bit. And you mentioned Emmanuel Agba batting passes at the line of scrimmage when they got to that unpredictable defense where you didn't know who was coming and who was dropping the way the passing lanes shook out like. Christian Wilkins batted a crazy amount of passes. Uh, I think Raekwon Davis batted a few. Zach Sealer was batting passes. Adam Butler was batting passes. I think Miami, if I remember correctly, led the league down the like down the stretch in in batted balls at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that wasn't had I mean, to have. It, it's I mean, you know, it, it it was an insane number. It felt like at least four times a game you saw a ball getting sent back past the quarterback. Like um, they had Dikembe Mutombo along the defensive line, uh, which was awesome to watch like and that's a frustrating thing when a quarterback can't count on the passing lanes being there when he first looks at the defense so yeah i mean keeping with the defensive line let's let's keep keep it at edge and defensive tackle it looks like four guys are are certainly locks to make the roster and that's that's ogba phillips ingram and van ginkle i mean ingram would have to show he's 34 for there to be any doubt but let's i mean let's let's say for argument's sake, let's say those four are on the team. And then at defensive tackle, you've got Wilkins, Raquan Davis, Zach Sealer, and Adam Butler um, making the roster. It's pretty safe to say it'd be a shock if it were anything other than that. So I look at the competitions here, Paul, and you, if you're going to go one-on-one with these companies, you may have John Jenkins going up against Benito Jones for that fourth defensive tackle spot if they keep one. Do, do you see them keeping five defensive tackles no okay because they've they've got the the setup for their defense and the style of defense they have i don't see that because this defense whether or not they get pressure from up front which they do manufactures a lot of pressure you utilizing their linebackers and, and i could see them being more likely if push came to shove going to a setup where they had an extra linebacker or defensive back on the field um and on top of that, they've got guys along the edge that they can kick into the middle on a need basis and then bring somebody up if they have to. Because Benito Jones is probably going to be on the practice squad. Uh, yeah, John if I'm, Jenkins has no eligibility for that. Uh, I've got to double check that because they may have. To, I think they changed the rules again. That's something I got to look into. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, John Jenkins is definitely a favorite of of, uh, of Josh Boyer. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, I also don't ha- wouldn't have them keeping a fifth defensive tackle. Be interesting to see if they look at Jenkins and say, you know, for a team that's got to win now, it's good to have somebody like that around. 
So, and, and the competitions are hard to see that these are the biggest types of competitions we're seeing on defense. I counted 20 players just on defense that are either locks to make the roster or really close to being locks. Adam Butler and um, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Butler and Keon Cross and some of these other guys being, you know, those, those guys who are, they're going to, even though they're backups, they're going to be, they're going to be on the team. So, and they're going to um, play. That, that's the other thing. They're, they're going to be backups, but they're going to play. Yeah, they are. I mean, Keon Cross, you pay three or four million a year. He's definitely going to play. I mean, so, yeah. And then at, at the edge spot, they brought back Brennan Scarlett. Didn't get guarantee him too much money, but they did resign him. He was okay when he was on the field. He got hurt. Um, and I see that. I see it. I see it being a, a, a two-man competition for that final roster spot with Brennan Scarlett and rookie seventh-rounder Cameron Good. Uh, I don't know if, if you're making a 53-man roster. Do do you have either one or or both or, or none on the roster for you? I like Brennan Scarlett, but I, I I have a feeling Cameron Goody has, has that shot at it. And the other dark horse for me is is probably Darius Hodge because um, I, I think he did just as much as Brennan Scarlett did last year and showed a little bit more versatility. He was active for a couple of games last year. Uh, So yeah, that's, he certainly factors into the competition there at the, at the bottom of the roster too. And linebacker, you know, one thing that makes this defense unique is the, the linebackers are undersized so that if they show blitz and huddle up on the line, they're fast enough to drop back into passing lanes to do that too. And you're going to see, Three on the roster here for sure are four off-ball linebackers on the roster, and that's Jerome Baker, Elandon Roberts, who basically got a fully guaranteed contract this year, uh, and Duke Riley and Channing Tindall. Now, some may say that Duke Riley's not a lock. I have to think he is because if, you know, with Channing Tindall being a rookie, if you lose Jerome Baker in the middle of that defense at any time, you need to have at least the speed to replace him at that linebacker spot. Duke Riley, I thought played very well in special teams last year Uh, when he was on the field. He was a really good player too, a linebacker. I didn't see much drop off between him and Baker. Um, Not saying he's as good as Baker, but I I didn't see a lot of drop off. So I think he's a lock to make the the roster. There as the fourth guy. So for me, one of the things I like about Duke Riley is he does have the versatility. I think he can play that edge pass rush linebacker well for the Dolphins if they choose to move him over there. And, and if we're if we want to talk about speed and and effectiveness out of that inside linebacker position, if Jerome Baker goes down, you know it, it's Landon Roberts is probably going to be a backup, so he'd probably be the first one in. But the other guy that they've got on the inside that I don't love on the outside. Um, is the guy that got the last touchdown of the Dolphins 2021 season. And that's Sam Egovon. Uh, he's somebody I think that could step in. And then you could see Duke Riley possibly unseat that Brendan Scarlett, Darius Hodge, Cameron Good battle on the outside. Yeah, I see Egovon. I've put him on the roster. I've put him off the roster. I see him battling kind of with – I take back what I said before. I see it as a, a competition between Scarlett – Egwafon and good. And you're probably going to see two of those three make the roster, maybe one out of the three, but he's going to be certainly battling there in the bottom of the roster because Egwafon's, I believe he's a little bit older too. And then I think he's, I think he's what he's 28, 29 now. So yeah, we got him, his, we got him out of the CFL. Um, it, it's, um, 
but again, it, it's Duke Riley still in that. Duke Riley's not in that get comfy spot as far as that goes. It's Duke. I think Duke is still in that mix of fighting it out. He might be towards the front end of, of fighting it out there, but Duke is still fighting for his spot where Baker, Tyndall, and Roberts are locks to make the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd probably put Riley's odds a little bit higher than you, but I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Equivon as well is. He'll be actually be 30 at the end of this year. He'll be 30 in February. So he's getting up there, and I think that would certainly factor in uh, as, as the roster cuts come down. But uh, either way, he's gonna, I believe Egwavon is going to be playing with somebody here in the NFL in, in 2022. Defensive back, you've obviously got the studs locked in place. And Byron Jones and Xavier Howard for the last three years, this has been my favorite part of the team. And it's it's awesome to open a preseason magazine and seeing two Dolphins wide receivers ranked in the top 20 and two Dolphins cornerbacks ranked in the top 20. And I said on Twitter this past week, any cornerback r- ranking that does not have Xavier Howard as a top three cornerback completely lacks credibility. I, I, I mean, maybe Jalen Ramsey, you want to put above X, that's fine. A healthy Jair Alexander, I could let that slide to. Maybe another. No, I, I, th- to me, that's it. And, you know, Howard, if you look at the last two years, going back to the Jacksonville game last in, in 2020, you take that to the end of 2021, where he had the pick six against Mac Jones. I mean, how many games you got there? And X mixed, missed a game too, didn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. So you got 14, 17. So in 31 games, he had what 17 interceptions and three forced fumbles. Like this guy is this guy is making a the biggest game changing play once at least once every two games. Like nobody can touch what he has done as far as turnovers. And yeah, he doesn't blank his receiver every single week. But other than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this past year against the Bucks, I you know, where Tom Brady was picking apart everybody on the defense. What was his worst game? I mean, maybe that big, big catch allowed to Kyle Pitts. But other than that, no, I mean, it, it, this is to me still the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. And then you factor in Nick Needham as the nickel guy, best trio in the NFL, too. Well, and, and, and then you've got several other guys that can drop down into that dime, dime spot. And, you know, you've got Veron McKinley, who's coming in as a safety that could potentially drop down to that dime spot. You've got Brandon Jones that's going to come in and possibly drop down to that dime spot and and give you a lot of different looks with the personnel that they've got out there. And a guy that, look, he's probably going to start the year on the practice squad, but a guy I really, really like, and he comes from the Texas A&M School of Commerce as an undrafted free agent, that's Cater Kohu. Uh, He's got a lot of burst. He's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of athleticism. He, ca- he caused a lot of turnovers in college, uh, whether it was interceptions or fumble, forced fumbles or fumble recoveries, and he's a very sticky corner. So he's somebody that I could fight for a roster spot when push comes to shove. And, and I'm curious to see what happens with Igbenogany. That seems to be one of the biggest talks of, of, of coming into training camp because at the end of the day, I think we talked about it, there's you know anywhere from 18 to 20 locks on this, on this defensive side of the ball. So there aren't a lot of spots, and Igbenogany needs to step up and have his football skills match his athleticism. 
Yeah. And we're hearing good things about Igbenogany at this point, but we heard, um, heard the same things a year ago today that, Hey, in mini camp, this guy was a star in training camp. He goes in there and he, this looks like a much improved player. You know, I, I would categorize it in 2020, he was unplayable in 2021. He was bad. So there was some improvement. So maybe you get that leap in the third season. And look, Igbenogany was barely 20 years old when the Dolphins drafted him. He's still been terrible. But you never know just based on that age. And the same goes for Austin Jackson. They've been bad. They weren't good draft picks. Um, But that age certainly has to factor in. But, Paul, to piggyback on what you're saying there, um, to me, I see five locks at cornerback, three at safety. You've got Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Keon Crossan, and Noah Igbenogany. And the reason for Igbenogany is that you know, he's on a rookie contract. He's not, you're not saving anything or not saving much by cutting him. So you could say maybe he's not a mortal lock, but he would have to be to me the sixth or seventh worst cornerback on this roster. Um, there would have to be six or seven cornerbacks above him in the pecking order for him to actually get the axe. Yeah. But you know what? I do like Trill Williams. Uh, I do like Kater Kohu. I do like. Elijah Hamilton and Elijah Campbell, like they have a lot of talented, 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 talented corners on this team. And Igbo needs to step up. He needs to find his niche because end of the day, when there's 20, 18 to 20 locks on the defensive side of the ball and you don't have a path to the field and you don't have a role, it hurts to, to part ways, but the Dolphins do have room to do so if he doesn't step up this preseason. <laughs> Yeah, or it could be a situation where he's traded for a very late draft pick. We see mm-hmm. that sometimes with first round busts. Yeah, as well. conditional seventh. Yeah, I've, that would be that would I mean, that'd be a that'd be a kick in the nuts. But yeah, I mean, yeah. well, is is it more? And that's that's the thing. A lot of people sit back and 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 yeah, it'd be a little bit of a kick in the nuts. But is it more of a kick in the nuts than having him sit on this roster just because you made a mistake? So you're just going to sit there and stick with your mistake. Uh, that's yeah. where, you know, we're talking year three and you haven't shown a damn thing. Mm-hmm. You haven't shown a damn thing. Matter of fact, the only thing I can remember from McBenogany is him getting burned once and him committing a stupid penalty. That's yeah. It. yeah. And he got, he, you know, that game against Jacksonville where Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were out. Trevor Lawrence throws for over 300 yards. Just one of two times he did that last year. Mm-hmm. You know, same Trevor Lawrence that went, went six games without a touchdown pass. You know, Dolphins win that game easy with Byron Jones and Xavier. Now, they still should have won that game, but um, you put Noe Benagati out there and he can't cover Marvin Jones. I mean, or Marvin Jones made a lot of contested catches against him. So, yeah, I mean, that that competition, two two competitions I'm looking for a cornerback, Keon Crossan against Noah, and also Trill Williams against yes. um, against really the rest of the field here and, and co being, being that top guy, because with cater co would we need to keep in mind too, is that the dolphins gave him a six figure signing bonus to be here as an undrafted free agent. As a comparison, uh, the last two times I've seen him give him anything above 65 grand was to Tyson render a couple of years ago, who was on the practice squad dressed for a couple of games. So he was on the team. And uh, last year, Robert Jones, 
who did make the roster. He got the benefit of the doubt and he got it on the field against New England in the final game and looked pretty promising. So Cater Koo, they obviously think a lot of him. He's a toolsy cornerback. Trill Williams is also a toolsy quarterback, you know, height, weight, speed, potential, and needs to be able to play special teams. So Trill Williams against Kohu is one competition I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, and one thing, too, is that's a dark horse with Kohu as well, is Ko- Kohu had 453 return yards in his in his four-year career. Um, it's And he's going to get a little bit more runway because the level of competition that he faced in college was not at, at the highest level. So if he shows signs and sparks or something, um, I do expect him to get a little bit of an extended look, potentially into the beginning of the season. Um, and, and he's one of those dark horse guys. And again, with given guys like Trill Williams on the roster, Trill Williams is a big enough body at this point that he can kick into safety as needed as well. So they may take, and, and Trill Williams may be also fighting against Clayton Fedgelin as, as far as that goes. If he's somebody that they see is that could transition into that safety role and give you that, that boundary corner or nickel corner as needed. Yeah. Trill Williams, his development's going to be interesting because I mean, he was signed as an undrafted free agent by the saints last year. And he was like cut immediately. He was cut like uh, two days into minicamp. And then the dolphins really made a point to not only sign him, but also keep him on, on the 53 man roster. But because of that potential, but now it's time to play. Uh, This is his second year. Now he's got his feet under him. He's got a year on, on, on the practice squad. It's, it's time for him to, to get out there and perform here this year, uh, whether that's at safety, whether that's a cornerback, whether it's a hybrid player, wherever. And that's where if he doesn't show that he's made that next step up, I give the advantage to Kohu because they he is a little bit more of an unknown and they thought enough of him to give him $100,000 in bonus. So, yeah, I mean, you've also got Elijah Hamilton, like you said. He just actually went on the POP list, so we'll see how that goes. Byron Jones did as well. Um, more as kind of a precautionary at this point because of his injury last year. So hopefully there's nothing more to that. Quincy Wilson at cornerback for any Florida Gators fans. He was actually a former high second round pick of the Colts a few years ago, obviously has been a big disappointment, but a big long cornerback has never quite had the speed though. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not too high on him, but he was thought highly enough to be a second round pick just a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's we'll, we'll see I, there. I, I look at, I look at the depth chart and, you know, Byron Jones is, is, is a starter. And then they've got guys like Keon cross and then cater Kohu behind him. And then you look behind X and they put all those guys that were talking about like, yeah, they may not, they, they may not pan out like uh, Igbo and Quincy Wilson. Uh, <laughs> it's like, all right, put them behind X. We'll never put them in the game anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, at safety, Paul, um, you know, you've got, uh, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones starting Eric Rowe is the third cornerback. I, I hope they keep Eric Rowe this year because, you know, if, if you're going to cut him over what, $4 million, you're going to be looking for a player to replace him. And it's probably going to cost you $4 million. So I, I, I say, keep Eric Rowe on the roster. And then you've got what may be a fascinating competition for one or two safety spots between what looks like three players. There's really nobody else in camp at the safety spot besides Clayton Fedulum, Veron McKinley, and returning safety Sheldrick Redwine. So I know we've wanted to get Fedulum off the roster here for years, but they are returning their you know, 
special teams coordinator here, Danny Crossman. And he's always been a Clayton Fetchelum guy and he's always made the roster. They've always paid him handsomely and they're, he's going to get a guaranteed million dollars this year, whether he makes the team or not. I would gladly watch the Dolphins pay him a million dollars to stay home. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I would eat that in a heartbeat if I'm, if I'm Greer. Um, but no, like, like I like Sheldrick Redwine. I like Verone McKinley. Uh, Verone McKinley and, and Javon Holland have um, a good rapport together from college. And on top of that, it's you, you, you can't cut Eric Rowe. It, it's, he's got a role on this defense. And it's pretty cool that Miami's set up where it's almost like three of the safeties already are starters because of the roles and the, the, the way they flex things between Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Eric Rowe. Um, I agree. And it's easy to look at the linebackers and, and say, well, you know, they've got, heck, they've got Jerome Baker starting. That's okay. But they, we, then they've got Andrew Van Gingle and then Landon Roberts as their two other linebackers. Oh, that's, that's, that's not a great starting line. But really, you only play two linebackers in the NFL. They're, you're, use, use five defensive backs over 70% of the time in this defense, and you use six of them over 50% of the time. So, yeah, Nick Needham, Eric Rowe on the field a lot. You're going to see Nick Needham on the field. Good for him for getting, you know, a, a $4 million extension. Uh, certainly deserved. He's become one of the better nickelbacks in the league. I saw two different publications that had him, had him as a top five nickelback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's very accurate. So, And Javon Holland's going to finish the year as a top five safety. Uh, he played like it at the end of the last year. And hopefully there's no sophomore slump with him. I don't think there will be. No. You know, a player that's that fast and that alert uh, has really hit the ground running. He, he's so much faster than I thought he would be, too. And that's that's wonderful to see. Somebody will come up and hit you, can get in the right position in passing lanes, but also play over the top. He is the emblem of the player that needed to step up when the Dolphins needed to be on more unpredictable last year. And it started with the Ravens game. Hopefully it starts here in week one. Uh, Paul, before we uh, we call it a day here, any anything else? One, one thing I want to put out there is some of these guys that we're talking about here, guys like Eric Rowe, guys like um, you know Nick Needham or Keon Crossan, guys like Adam Butler. Um, those are guys that in other defenses might be just a guy, and. The way Miami schemes this, some of the guys that you would expect to keep, some of the guys that are going to excel are going to be guys that might be just a guy in other defenses. But because of the way Miami flexes guys around, because of the way, you know, you look at Javon Holland and Brandon Jones and 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 the number of sacks that they had last season uh, to go along with the passes, defense and, and things like that. It's what's being asked of, of, of players in the different roles is different in Miami. It's why Jerome Baker down the stretch last year when they flex back into that flexible cover zero defense, suddenly didn't he win defensive player of the month in December, if I remember correctly, Kat? Um, sounds uh, he won. No, I think that was the, that was the year before. That was the, I think that was, that was, that was the month that, that he sacked Pat Mahomes. He had, he had like, seven sacks the year before, but he played, he did play well when the more, the, the, the more aggressive the team becomes the better Jerome Baker is. And, and it's like that for, for a lot of these guys. I mean, I'll reiterate 
last year in the final nine games, nine games, first in sacks with 36, third in interceptions with 11, uh, second in points allowed with 15.6 a game, and third in yards per game with uh, two, with just over 275 allowed per game. They also faced some bad quarterbacks, but we saw them change up the scheme and play well. And there was two years in a row now that the Dolphins' defense in the second half of the year were able to step up, and it became this next-man-up mentality. Who's going to make a play next? That's what happens to this defense when they're aggressive. So December 2021, Jerome Baker, Defensive Player of the Month, 16 tackles, six tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Um, he, yeah, no, he, he, he I don't know how out. I missed that. Huh? So, well, I man, that's yeah. I mean, Baker has been early in the year in the first four games of the year. I wanted Baker off the field. And then the second half of the year, the guy looks like a, looks like a pro, like a perennial pro bowl linebacker. So, I can't wait for this defense to hit the ground running here next year. They didn't lose anybody, and now they get to implement into this defense. Melvin Ingram, Channing Tindall, Keon Crossan, and a few other different parts. No huge additions, but they didn't need to make any huge additions either. So, Paul, that's going to do it here for our breakdown of the Dolphins' defense heading into training camp. The entire team is there on July 26th. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. We're going to be here before and after the Dolphins' first preseason game to give you the lowdown on that when the bullets really start flying. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.